Chapter 7 Towards sunset, about 50 miles from Guatemala's central border, Mahi guided us off into rugged highland farmland and forest, bumping along on a dirt road past local farmers. After 10 minutes of first-gear driving, she had me stop at a ramshackle adobe house, barns and corrals. As she walked over to the house, a gaggle of ragamuffin kids surrounded my camper, so I got out and fooled around with them, enjoying a bit of nonsensical kid fun. Mahi came back out, we hopped into the van and drove on up the canyon. All is as it should be, she told me. We can feel entirely at peace here. They want us to stay for dinner, but no, I want a quiet evening. There were no houses at all up this far. The canyon made a big curve and opened up into a meadow surrounded by pines. A few skinny cattle were hanging out grazing, and a bunch of pure white egrets took off in unison from the sandy shore of the river. A perfect spot. It even had a haphazard circle of blackened stones where generations of locals had built their evening fires. The air was pine-needle-scented like a warm day up at Lake Tahoe, and the slight, soft roar of the river, flowing just a few dozen feet from our camper, became dominant as I turned off the engine. A great blue heron stood in the shallows of a big calm pool, patiently awaiting its next meal. Mahi had fallen silent again, like she often did. I caught myself wondering who she'd brought to this camp in earlier times. That poor guy Daniel, who'd got himself killed? Ah, the pall of that still had me tight in my gut. I got out a couple folding chairs then grabbed my axe and went rummaging for some dry wood and found a whole stack of chopped pine over beside a tree. Mahi had learned how to work my stereo system, and she randomly cranked up one of my dad's old Amazing Rhythm Aces mellow southern jazz tunes. I walked back to camp with my arms full of wood and met her eyes. The music had her smiling, and she danced a little jig with the beat. The sun was already gone from the canyon, so I cooked us some food over my Coleman while she got the fire going. We ate quietly beside the warmth of the fire, and some special sort of peace descended on us amidst the river's constant roar and the three-quarter moon coming up just now over a blue haze ridge. I got out my beat-up guitar and played a few old cowboy tunes I'd learned from my dad. Then I got up my nerve and played some Nayarit folk tunes I hadn't sung for years, tunes that Gramps had taught me. And then I even sang for her a few songs I'd written myself. When I was all sung out, Mahi surprised me by reaching for the guitar and singing some simple touching folk songs in Spanish that I assumed were from her childhood down farther south. Her singing voice, the emotions she tapped into, they touched me deep inside. But then she abruptly put the guitar aside and sat there just staring at the river for quite some time. The fire crackled, the river gently roared, 
The moon got higher and lit up the river's fast-moving surface. She stood up and took the plastic plates and cooking pans and utensils and such, and without a word, walked away from camp down to the riverside. I gazed at her down there, standing right beside the river, and then, as if merging reality with fantasy, I saw her taking off her clothes. Perhaps feeling my eyes on her, she turned back to me, waved slightly but without any smile at all, and then with zero hesitation waded out into the dark flowing water. She looked like some goddess down there in the moonlight. And right then I saw her make a quick move, diving into the current with a loud splash, and just like that, my lovely vision disappeared almost instantly. I couldn't see her at all. She didn't seem to have surfaced. I went hurrying down to the edge of the pool and looked out over the surface to the middle of the river and saw nothing. She was just gone. Mai! I shouted. No answer. I stripped off my boots and Levi's and waded splashing out into the chill water. The current was close to the bank and quite strong, at least five miles an hour, maybe more. She couldn't swim against that. It must have swept her fast downstream and around the bend. I almost plunged into the blackness to find her, but as I took another step into the current and my ball submerged with a chill jolt, I realized that I'd drown just as easily as she would out there. So instead I ran back to the van, grabbed my flashlight, and hurried back to the water, shining a beam of light out over the moving blackness. And right then the strangest feeling came over me. Instead of panicking and running downstream or crying and getting overwhelmed by emotion, I found myself suddenly utterly calm. Zero emotion. No thoughts in my mind. No power at all in my belly. I knew in my gut that there was nothing I could do to change what had happened. She'd just disappeared as if she'd never been there. All I can say is time literally stood still. As I stood there an infinitely long moment, with the solitary flashlight beam bouncing off the surface of the water, while some fathomless realization struggled to rise up into my awareness. I have no idea how long I stood there. Then I abruptly turned off the flashlight, pulled on my clothes, and stumbled away from the river, my mind a total blank mess. As I approached the fire, I saw movement and a flash of sparks as someone threw another log onto the flames. Vaguely, I saw a person standing there in the moonlight. I turned on my flashlight and aimed it right at the intruder. Hey, there was Mahi, standing with a blanket around her shoulders, just standing there grinning at me like she was tickled pink that she'd fooled me. I could have killed her for shocking me so bad. God damn you, was all I could grumble. With my mind still on overload, 
I turned and stumbled away from her, walking off blindly into the night down the road along the moonlit river. I could feel my rage pulsing like a wet drum in my left ear. Logic tried to cut in. Either she'd made the decision to swim downstream and then hurry back to the camp just to play that deadly trick on me, or what? As my boots clomped heavy down the dusty dirt road, I had the slight and then gone realization that I hadn't felt so shattered since I found out in a text message that my dad had died. Now again suddenly, right in the middle of paradise, I'd been shocked to my core. I felt so weak in my knees suddenly that I had to sit down right in the middle of the moonlit path. My breathing wasn't happening at all, and when I tried to tune into my feelings, I ran head-on into the lurking desire, the let-me-die compulsion, to really just let it all go and drift off, pass out, play dead, be gone forever. Enough of all this. When I got back to camp maybe half an hour later, the fire was low. All the cooking gear was put away, and Mahi was in back in my bed. I sat down on a folding chair outside, not ready to confront her. No calito, I've upset you, I heard her saying to me, her voice light and almost playful. Don't call me that name, I reacted. But it fits you so well. Hey, no more goddamn games tonight, I growled. As you wish, she said. I sat there a while longer, still seriously caught up in feeling tight and deathly numb. Then I let lifelong routine move me. I got up, brushed my teeth, got undressed. She'd left plenty of room in the bed for me. I slid under the sheets and hefty comforter, got settled with a little huffing and puffing. After a few breaths, I started to calm down, but my heart was still pounding loud in my left ear. My dear friend, she said very quietly, I assure you there was no forethought. It just happened. I went down to wash the dishes. I felt like I was finally able to be in love again. My heart was singing one of your old country-western tunes. And then the crazy desire crept up behind me and overcame my sensibilities. I became utterly possessed by the compulsion to be in the water. And so, si pues, without thought I took off my clothes and dove in. With the plan, I growled back, of swimming downstream and scaring me to death that you'd drowned, then sneaking up around like you did. Great joke. Oh, that's what you think, she said. That I've played the ultimate joke? Well, now you'll never know if I've drowned and returned in this fleshy astral body. You'll never know if you're making love with me or with my occult double. Not much love-making around here anyway, I said back at her. Juan, please, 
You're overreacting. Have you no compassion? I almost fucking drowned out there. Hey, I muttered. Just leave me alone. She was silent a moment. Then, I'm sorry. I only want to perhaps lighten your load. Hauling someone like you around, I said. There's no way to make that a light load. Silence a while. Then, I only wonder if you can feel it, she said. Feel what? Feel the presence of our ancestors, the ancient ones, those with eternal power and intent. While you were out trying to decide if you would dare have intercourse with a ghost, I was lying here opening to receive insight into why I had thrown my whole life into that deadly water, wondering who is in charge here, who can I trust. And it was then that I remembered that the jade piece was hidden somewhere close by in this camper. I was seeing if I could feel the presence of that great jade rod of the Mayans. My mood, all on its own, was now shifting. And what came to your mind, I had to ask. She said, all I could think about, my love, was yours. Jesus, don't you realize how manipulative you are? What, she bounced back, being playful as much as possible in this overly challenging universe? Is this what you call manipulating? Maybe it's the only way I know, Juan, to relate, being so bashful. So were you this way with Danielle, too? I fired back. I'm always just myself, she said. After a while, I rolled over to face her, but she'd turned away, and all I got was a naked female shoulder to look at. I could see her breaths coming and going, and I got hit out of the blue with a gigantic gasp of thankfulness. Thankfulness that this amazing woman was here in my bed, in my camper, not floating dead and gone down the river. Hey, I said quietly to her, my vocal cords hardly able to grunt out the words. Go hey yourself, she grunted back. You want me to be predictable. You want me to be passive. Talk about boring. I want you to relate like a grown-up, I said. She rolled fast, almost violently, and fired a hot glance at me. So I show you where my last lover was murdered, where I myself killed two young soldiers, and then I spontaneously baptized myself in the river to wash the blood of Daniel's death from my soul. Yes, it was insane to plunge into that current in the darkness, but something moved me, and I will tell you now, Juan or Professor Hadley or Nocolito or whoever you will prove to be, when spirit moves me to act, I act. If you don't like that, then you are with the wrong woman. She pushed the covers off and sat upright, cross-legged in bed, 
I didn't realize until that moment that I had unconsciously grown a dandy but quite embarrassing hard-on. Ah, Juan, she said with that sensual smile of hers spreading across her face. Even while hating me with your mind, you have grown this for me? She reached and, without hesitation, took me gently in her fingers. Si pues, mi nocalito, she muttered. Ah, um, so just who is this nocalito, I asked. What should I say? He is perhaps the ancient god of our people, who will return to initiate us into the new era. She leaned forward and gently kissed the one-eyed monster. Then she released her grip and sat back upright with a somber expression. That is our good news, she said. But Nocalito, he simply cannot release his crazy fire inside me until the appointed time. But I was already inside you, I said, up in San Diego. Mi amor, that doesn't count. No one was watching. And tonight? Juan, she whispered, beyond the slow flow of linear time, I am already and always have been in love with you. We run so deep, and that is why we shy away. The river has consumed me, and yet I'm still here. Today, Juan, my heart has let go of Daniel. His ghost is gone, and I can finally let my heart open. Ever since my mother was killed, I've felt so utterly alone. With you, I shall risk feeling not alone anymore. She moved and I moved as she came into my arms. I held her close while time and the river flowed by and we gently melted into each other more and more. I want to come to you, she whispered so softly I barely heard her. I felt myself moving without thinking, our lips coming urgently together and our fingers moving all on their own, gripping and grabbing as we slipped without forethought at all into blind, spontaneous moves of raw, free, hungry passion, until finally, unable to hold back any longer, she pushed me down and moved on top of me and took me deep inside her for a timeless, ultimate moment. But just as I was irredeemably reaching blast-off, she gasped and yanked herself up and off me just before I came. No, no, not yet, not yet, she said hoarsely. When the time is right, it shall be the ultimate explosion. But timing rules this moment. Please, please, for the sake of what is seriously ultimate, don't hate me. I felt her fingers take me again in her not-so-gentle grip. Great big Nocolito, she said, I help you come. And afterward, we lay with the geese-down blanket off, letting an evening breeze cool off our various post-erogenous realms. 
At some point, she put on some music. It was Fia's lilting voice again, filling the camper's interior. Laying down my armor, taking off my clothes, washing my temple clean, rose petals on the floor. A wise woman said, Forget what you're told. Break those chains with light. Free your soul. Spirit, show me the way. Where would you have me go? What would you have me say? I have had a taste of truth, seeing me as you, and the only thing I know is that I don't. I admit, I said to her when the song came to an end, that being with you is like being in a not-quite-real world. Well, being inside you just then, that was real. When you were inside me, she said very quietly, I felt suddenly, well, you told me back in Oaxaca about your grandfather's communion with Shumash ancestors of the land. While you were inside me, I felt them with us. You're like an angel, I admitted. You know that. She laughed a a soft chuckle. I need you to understand, she said, that I am not your pure goddess at all. I happen to have major imperfections, and sometimes I fear you might reject me because I can appear quite hopelessly crazy. Ah, I know crazy, I told her. My aunt, she finally went over the hill, lost her mind, drifted off into the Netherlands. Also, I had a girlfriend in high school. It was subtle, but she was more and more slipping into schizophrenic zones. You are living on the edge, but you're the opposite of crazy. You are very kind, she said quietly. I should tell you, I found myself saying, that when you disappeared underwater suddenly and were gone, There wasn't any emotion at all inside me. There was just the sense of suddenly being somewhere entirely new. Ah, she said softly, I only know that you and I, as if by magic, have come together, and I pray to the heavens that we stay together. Amen to that, I said. Tomorrow, she went on, we shall finally cross the border and flow down to the lake. As you perhaps already have sensed, that great body of holy water is one of the primary geological locations holding the entire earth's blood, its fire, and our hope. And yes, it always also holds its subtle but sometimes quite overt touch of danger. So I asked, what's going to happen when we arrive? Mi amor, she answered. I honestly have absolutely no idea. I have learned never to try to second-guess the fates. Our future is always capable of being vastly more than we can ever imagine, based on past experience. And now I become so very sleepy. 
We shall talk further tomorrow. A la nueva, mi amor. I rolled onto my back, feeling so satisfied suddenly that I could die and go to hillbilly heaven, as Gramps used to say. The river was quietly singing, and Mahi was gently breathing, and I was just drifting off. She made a slight move in her sleep. I rolled my head and beheld her face very close to mine, looking ghostly angelic in the shadowy moonlight. And as my eyes finally closed, I found myself grinning like a kid on Christmas Eve.